What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 25. Hashtag new 40k. The Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual journey to the Nova Open Convention, playing games that they love, and balancing life with those games. I'm Jared Johnson, and tonight I'm here with Jason Murray. Uh, my phone wasn't on mute. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Danny Clemens. What's up, everybody? And Trace Hyde. I am not frozen this time. Not frozen. And you frozen. totally went backwards in the notes. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I did that because you flipped me the bird on the video, Jason. Oh, sorry. So, and your phone went off, so... <laughs> This is like this is like double new because I think this is the first time all four of us could see each other while doing this. So this is going to get interesting real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let me tell you, it's it's been harrowing podcasting from inside this imperial cathedral. I don't know where you guys <laughs> are, but yeah. Is is your arm disintegrating from a gauze flare? No, because as we will reveal later, or has that's already been revealed, my faith is my armor. Oh, <laughs> uh, so um, hash, hashtag new 40k or pound sign new 40k, yes. tic tac toe new 40k. Uh, anybody that has been living under a rock, there's a new edition of Warhammer 40k coming out, and that's what we're going to talk about uh, for basically the majority of the podcast. But before we get into that, let's do what we always do and catch up with what everybody's been up to. Trace, I've been painting. painting. Um, no, you haven't. I have lies. I, just one, but yes, I painted. Um, I've been painting and I've been playing some video games a little bit more frequently than I was before. Um, started playing. For those who don't know, there's a giant sale on Steam right now for basically any GW game that they've put into production. So I fell for that and. <laughs> And purchased. It's blood purchased for the blood stuff. god. I purchased stuff. Yes, the call of corn uh, got me. Um, and I bought the Mechanicus, uh, the Mechanicus uh, turn-based strategy game, and it's awesome. Um, story is really cool. The way that they've kind of laid it out is really really neat. There's a lot more depth to it than I thought it was going to be, um, and it's. It's basically, I, to kind of call it XCOM is kind of doing it in a, a disservice because it's very similar to XCOM, but it, the way it presents itself is very different. Very different, But um, it's, it's a lot of fun, and that kind of sparked me to kind of paint something grimdark with the announcement this past week and then playing the game and doing some other stuff. So I painted a cool-looking Sakaran Rust Stalker and kind of... Uh, Blanchitsu, Frank Miller, Kill Zone style. Um, lots of glowy bits, real dark and moody. Looks really cool. I've, nice. I'm really pleased with it. Uh, I've got four more on my desk, plus some uh, Castellan robots and a couple tech priests. And I'm going to keep painting. What about Good you, Danny? You. I know, right? It's Mr. Productive. Mm-hmm. Uh I've been kind of doing a lot of different stuff. I didn't fall for the Steam uh, GW sale, but I absolutely fell for the Epic Games free games. So I downloaded GTA 5 and I've been 
terrorizing nice. that city. Uh, and then they had Civ six, and I played that obsessively for about 24 to 36 hours before I finally conquered the world and was like, all right, I can delete this game now. Don't need to ever play it again. Uh, and then I've just been, you know, giving away my hard earned, my hard work, you know, uh, cat kind of came out of the bag a couple weeks ago, thanks to the Nova open social media pages, but I had volunteered to paint a, uh, war band for Warhammer underworlds for the charity with the Nova Open, and the deadline was June 1st, and so I spent a lot of last kind of putting the finishing touches on all that, then wrapping things meticulously in bubble wrap and shipping them off to Northern Virginia, and then praying to the gods that, you know, a tiny little goblin arm holding a spear that's, you know, way too big for him survives the, the trek. Uh, and I got the email today that they said that I should so give long. lessons on how to package these miniatures because I'm the only person that sent something that wasn't broken. So, um, but that has kind of been my hobby life and then just doing stuff around the, the house. Sarah and I have taken this time to kind of finish decorating and making decisions about what to do with our new new place of residence. And, and so it's been fun, but kind of exhausting too. Uh, yeah. The the rippers look fantastic and yep. good on yeah. you, man, for getting out there and and trying to get some money for a sweet charity and you know whether Nova happens or not this year, at least at least you know you're there in spirit because they'll still do the auction, I'm sure. So yeah, oh yeah, and I'm I'm putting some money. Uh, you know, I would have done it today had the the cart been open, but it's like you know ticket. Wouldn't let me five dollars. So. One one five dollar bid wasn't too rich for your blood. No, I mean, I I love your work. I'll I'll let it sit in my case, you know, forever and ever. It's cool. <laughs> well, I would be honored. I'm I'm kind of in a very weird place on it because it was something that I decided I wanted to do. Uh, I don't know if our dozens of fan will uh, remember, but back in like January, uh, we were talking about our goals for the year. And one of the things that I had talked about was when I painted the Marvel Crisis Protocol stuff for my wife, that it kind of sparked this uh, passion in me. I was like, oh, I really enjoyed painting for other people. And not in the sense of like as a commission, but just like as having a project that I love and care into to give. Um, and and uh, that ended up manifesting into contacting Nova and asking if I could do the charity, which I've now learned I probably should have done like four months before that. Like if I'm going to do it next year, I'm going to start in like September. Um, because I just mentally didn't think, you know, the convention is not till September. I was like, I'll have most of the summer to kind of finish things up. And it was like, no, they need to be in our hands June one. Um, but it's been a lot of fun and it's been really cool, but it has also been kind of weird for me because like, I don't really, despite the fact I'm on a podcast, I don't really do this for attention. And so like, uh, part of it was they were like, well, you should have at least like a social media page that we can share stuff. Like, and they asked like, are you part of a studio or this? And they're constantly like trying to get me to like, like they want to give me the opportunity to plug whatever I can if I if I'm interested in that. But I I, I don't have that. I'm not looking to become a commission painter or anything like that. Um, and so I kind of like I have a profile page on their website now, and it's just it's kind of a weird thing that makes me a little uncomfortable. But like I'm navigating it, you know. So you, so when I uh, get the loin in, you're not gonna commission paint that for me. Well, that, I said I, I I said I'll paint it for you, but you know, 
Imperial credits only. <laughs> I need something uh, I, I more real. Notes up, so, I have, yeah, so I'm just going to go to Jason, because that's who I'm assuming I'm supposed to throw this to. Oh, so. it, was, it was Jared, <laughs> but it's fine. So, <laughs> uh, hobby progress. Uh, big one, you know... I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more, but the Necron army has been posted on certain social medias to try to move the Necron army. Um, you know, like with the with the announcement, there's a lot of new Necron stuff coming out. Seems that Necrons are going to be, you know, a mainstay. So got some pictures together and bit the bullet. Uh, talked to Trace one night, spent a lot of time going through, you know, what does it look like in the future and you know, it's time to let it go. So it's out there. Um, nothing confirmed yet, but a few nibbles, uh, that, so that, that's a big, uh, big relief. And honestly, just posting it, um, felt good because it's an army that has sat there for far too long. Um, you know, other than that, getting a lot of, uh, remotes or online games of, of underworlds as, as always, um, really, really played a lot. I've been, been playing underworlds online which is the video game version of underworlds uh a few times a week uh and then i think the the big thing from hobby that's taken up a vast majority of my time is getting the stream set up so i have been you know streaming or twitching warhammer underworlds online uh as trace mentioned the blood for the blood god i spent far too much money in video games uh based around the gw brand um so Plans are to get those up there a few times a week. Uh, and then here we are tonight while we record this episode. Uh, we're streaming to Twitch in a test run to see how everything's going. Um, so through all that, I did mess up my computer uh, pretty bad. Um, got some blue screens of death. Um, so maybe a little too much time trying to backtrack and get that fixed. So that's taking up a lot of my, my building slash hobby time. Um, but it's for, it's for the podcast, for the channel. Uh, yeah. So that's what I got going on. Uh, Jared. Yeah. So not a lot for me. (laughs) Um, other than some Warhammer Underworlds online. Um, you know, I feel like I'm just kind of sitting and waiting in the wings on the Warhammer 40k front um Age of Sigmar front still have models built that need to be primed and painted um to be honest it's it's hard to to feel motivated to paint things when there's not the opportunity to play in person um but that's something I'm hoping will change soon I kind of feel like just personally like I'm coming out of a fog from this whole COVID-19 thing like the routines that we've set in place in our house are settling down. Um, conversations around that are going better. Um, you know, trying to find that balance between not going crazy and my wife not going crazy and the kids not going crazy and still getting able to do all the things that I want to do. Um, yeah. So not a whole lot. Not honest. a whole lot, but that that's some great progress. I mean, to from our last episode where we were all talking about how we're adjusting things and you're, you know, putting up hobby desks to hold televisions and, you know, the, making changes yeah. <laughs> as your wife Literally goes out and walks. In closet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, I mean, that's true. 
You yeah. moved up to a cathedral. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's again kicked out of the, the hobby closet. That's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of square footage, not many amenities. You know. No, no. But this beautiful stained glass window. Um, so that, no, I'd say yeah. that's a lot of progress, my friend. Yeah, it's just not like physically tangible. I yeah. guess is is my issue. But uh, yeah. So Trace is actually painted. Danny's painted. Jason broke his computer, and then I've made extra hobby progress, as in outside of hobby progress, which is good. So, yeah. So why don't we take a break here, and then we'll come back and we'll talk hashtag new 40K. Oh, boy. Got new 40K. Here. With a new trailer, new videos, all the newness, new newness, new future grim darkness. Uh, and is I, it new? I'm not sure. It might be new. Uh, but is it hashtag I, new? True. And I'm and I think you know the Games Workshop Warhammer community might let us know about it. So, um, but yeah, uh, as you said at the beginning, there is a a um, forthcoming edition of warhammer 40k ninth edition is coming down the pike it will be hitting us probably i would guess july or august sometime this summer um but they haven't released a date yet but that's probably about where we're looking and uh they kicked it off with a a digital trailer which was the first time they've ever done anything like that and it, it caught me off guard i kind of expected a new edition that felt like They've been trying to get us on this like two to three year alternating AOS 40K editions thing kind of whether you want it or not. Like, here we go. Right. So I wasn't shocked that there was a new edition, but the trailer really caught me footed. I was I was surprised. The trailer was amazing. Like, oh, it was so good. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I wanted like another movie. hour, right? Yeah. Like another hour of it. Yeah. And it's astounding to me because like, on one hand, it, it, I don't know how many of you guys have seen um, the Magic the Gathering has been doing similar things when yep. they have new expansions. Yeah, and it's like the same animation. Like I would be, I would not be surprised to find out that it's the same company that, that does it, the same house. Um, but it felt very much like that, and it does a good job of kind of setting up a very broad kind of theme and like setting you in the world. Uh, and I was really, really enjoyed it, and I've couldn't help but think about how I was kind of not excited when they released the Blood Angels stuff that they're working on. It's kind of like, mm. but this I really liked. And so I was like, it, it kind of gave me hope for this digital beyond that they're kind of going into because that was excellent. And uh, like, it hit me on a lot of levels. Like, I don't know about out of things there's like a lot of cool little things going on in that trailer that i thought were really cool and like the first thing that just kind of hit me like a mass reactive shell to the chest was representation in this world matters and representation in this game has been lacking and they just went for it like the first three things you see in that game or in that trailer is a woman narrating a imperial guards woman and a sister of battle like yeah. literally the 
first three faces and sounds you hear. And that is so cool to me. I think that's so awesome. Because, like, how many times have you seen something from and it's like, in the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, and it's like some old dude with a beard and chain sword, and it's like, no, these were badass women, and I thought that was that was cool. Yeah. It's always Brian Blessed. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think about Brian Blessed, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I thought the same thing, Danny. Like, um, I was really taken aback by the by the announcement, like the way that they handled it and the way they rolled it out. I thought it was really refreshing. And I'm with you as far as like hopefulness for that digital stuff that they're going to start releasing the new shows and stuff. It makes me excited for that. The, the female guardsman was to your point was spot on, right? Yeah. Like they've done, they've done a few female narr- like overrides, like from a narrative standpoint, but the fact that there's a guardsman, which has never been represented to my knowledge, like in a model form, but yet they talk about how every citizen from from Cadia is part of the guard, right? So to actually see that representation, um, and then you know to go one step further, when the Gauss flare hits the guardsman and he you actually see the body like just melts like away. Uh, you know, that is not something that we've seen even in video games. Like, Dawn of War had gauze flares, but it didn't take it to that level, right? So, uh, was, very cool. There was a lot of violence in that that was kind of... Sh- like, there's that one at the end when the big spider walker thing just like impales the sister in battle. Like, it's just like, whoop, and it's front and center. I was like, okay, like, here we go. Yep, well, it's the grim darkness of the far future, my friend. Yeah. And I thought of you too, Jason, because I remembered when the Stormcast started doing the female model, how you were super excited about that because of what it meant for like you and your relationship with the game and your daughter and being able to kind of give that kind of angle to it. And so I thought like, oh, this is going to be cool for the Murray household. It is. I mean, you know, at six, she's watched the trailer numerous times. So, you know. I think she's more leaning towards the sort of battle, uh, sister of battle, like, but you know, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I also thought like the cool kind of artsy thing that they did with the trailer uh, is the whole thing kind of escalates in scale, obviously. Like that's the obvious thing, right? It starts off with three lonely guardsmen. And then by the end, you've got these huge armies, which I think is an intentional thing because the way they've kind of built the game now where you can play as you know small little armies and play like a 500 point game but then you also have these kind of subsidiary games and offshoots and and then it can escalate to massive apocalypse style games and i think that's very intentional but i think another thing they did that's kind of clever is they also kind of climb the hierarchy of importance of characters because like the first characters you see are guardsmen and then you see a single sister of battle and then the first Astartes you see is a sergeant and then you reveal the badass captain and it's like yeah. they kind of and then the last thing you see is that huge lord of war like you kind of climb up the 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 hierarchy of characters within the game too and it, it's i think a really clever way to kind of introduce that aspect of the the 41st millennium i mean the escalation if you will yeah <laughs> Jared, what was your favorite part of the whole video we've talked a lot about the, the beginning but what was your 
Yeah, so I, I literally got goosebumps when she's like stumbling into the cathedral um, and like yeah. like all of the like violence and like just that cacophony of sound that is just like bombarding you for the first part of the trailer just drops off and it's a lonely sister battle, you know, with the narrator. Um, and to see, um, I, I lost the name of the rule. What's the rule for the, the sisters of battle that gives them the inbox of face. They're yeah. Face. Yeah. But to see that like animated and, put on the screen was really cool. Um, yep. So just that scene in the cathedral where like she is going to die and then like her faith in the emperor heals her like literal goosebumps in that moment. Or was it the power armor kicking in? I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought stem injectors. It's all. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. All... yeah. I thought it was really particularly cool about this thing. I agree. That was my favorite part too. And what I liked about it was it, uh, at that point in the video, like it, uh, you, the kind of shock of like, oh shit, we're getting a, a 40k digital trailer to kind of wear off. And to me, it was starting to get to points like, all right, well now we're just kind of in for three to four minutes of bolter porn. You know, like we're just going to see things blowing up, and that's going to be awesome. But like, it's expected. Right. And when it turned into that and added this extra level of like, oh, like no, they're actually going to kind of talk about the fluff a bit here they're not just selling the the you know move your soldiers and pew 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 like they're selling that greater world and i thought it really helped for lack of a better word and the video into something more something that made it special rather than just a cool novelty right yeah that's good what about you jason oh so much um there's uh, so much I, I think it's the, you know, we talked about the violence, but it's more of the, you know, the cadence of violence, like where she's like the sister battles by herself and she's moving wall to wall and, you know, you know, taking bolt shots at everything. Um, and then too, you got this new space ring with the shield with a skeleton on its shield. It's, it's Dude, so good. So cool. <laughs> So thankful that Space Marines are looking like Space Marines again in this edition. Yeah. yeah. I, I get why they pared down Primaris, but like the appeal of the, you know, like futuristic warrior monk is Space Marines, you know, and Primaris had gotten so far away from that to like now go back to robes and tilting shields and ornate armor. It's like, yes, yeah. like that's where I want to be. No. Yeah. And then the you know the chain like just so the escalation right, and then the tilting of the chainsaw, the tilting, the stabbing of the chainsaw through the Necron to kind of like save her as she's fighting that big Necron comes through his chest like that. Those action sequences like put our dice to life, right? Like we roll the dice to represent a gauze flare, a power sword, you know, a bolt rifle, and then to actually see it other than you know in the Space Marine movie was uh the ultramarines crappy movie which i liked but you know it's okay <laughs> uh, it was cool trace <laughs> that's is, that's 70 percent doing a robot walk for those that cannot see but, uh, that that represents that movie well trace your your uh, claim to fame for the video um 
I'm going to echo a lot of what you guys said, but the one thing that I think is just ever present during that video is just like you feel a sense of threat from something else beyond the Imperium. So like you feel like, holy crap, these they're in trouble. Like mm. they're in big, big trouble. And, you know, that's something we talk about a lot, like the, you know, 11th hour kind of feeling. But to see it in movement and to see like how that Necron like keeps coming at her when she's like, when, when after she, after he's like, you think it's dead. And it's just like a James Cameron tournament terminator moment. You're like, Oh crap. Like he's still alive. Um, I just think it's really, I thought that they did a really good job of representing, um, things that are be beyond what we understand. And I think mm. that, that that was kind of cool. So, and also, Jason, there actually is a female guardsman model, and it's Severi- Severina Rain. It's the commissar from. Yeah, the commissar. Oh, well, that book. makes two, because isn't there a female Catachin? I don't know if she's released yet. Uh, I don't know yet. I thought, we, thought we saw the preview for that model. I I there's something I can't get out of my head though, because we, we've talked about this and like the violence in it, and there's something there's this really. I laughed the first time I saw it, and I went back and watched it. Every time I've watched it, I've probably seen like three, four times now, I, I giggle. Is I don't think I've ever seen a space marine look so weeny than as the one dude who dies from having like three scarabs on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh... like running by and like three touch him, and he's like, ah! and then he like falls over, and it's like. I just watched one of your bros get zapped with a gauze rifle and keep trucking, and you fell over from three little bugs. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, we so we've focused a lot on the Imperium too, but that that video showed us a lot on how a Xenos army goes to battle, right? Like, you have yep. all these just like methodically walking warriors going forward, uh, and then the scarabs, like you know, the scarabs are sent out to you know. Uh, whittle away at armor, right? Some sort of metal, they're chewing away at it, making it weaker. So that was really cool, too. And we'll have to wait and see how those new Necron um, fit into it. But uh, but to see that played out as well was really, really cool. So um, my hat off to GW in a, in a great trailer and glad to see that that uh, segment of the company really coming to life. Uh, go figure, it's around Warhammer 40k, the new edition. Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't like, and I'm going to point this out to everybody, Uh-oh. Jared already knows, um, but the missed scaling on the image of the new 40k logo, have you guys yeah. seen that where the R goes yep. over the line on the right and the A is off center? Uh, yeah. yeah, the graphic yeah. designer definitely bet, effed so, up a little bit. So I saw something online, and apparently it's been that way. Forever. From the beginning, <laughs> like the Warhammer logo has always been like that, but it never had that specific line like around the eagle feathers or whatever. And so it wasn't as noticeable. But yeah, so the R definitely. Oh, it crosses over it. Yeah. And then the A is not centered under the eagle, the twin eagle heads. Yeah, that's a lazy excuse. Like, even if that's true, like, yep. nudge it to the left. Like four times in your five game. five pixels in your game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once you see it, you can't unsee it though. I know, uh, I know. Jason ruined the logo for me. <laughs> I didn't see it at all, and then he yeah, said something. Somebody had pointed it out to me 
several days prior to that, I guess. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you, that's the worst thing you have to complain about <laughs> is the fact that the logo is off. Like, you've been in your crabby hole too long. Like, just... I was too busy vibing on the cool, like, pseudo same. Yeah. element. Like, give me that old school 80s look reinvented. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Top Gun logo. But that's it. So that, there we go. That we can twist that, right? We can take that and be like, that's that that is artisanship, right? Like that that's handcrafted. It has the marks of of art. You know, it's not a machine-created yeah. logo. The the tiny the tiny imperfections. It's the human element. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Made from the hardworking indigenous people of wherever. To quote of, Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There it is. For like the one person who got that reference. Uh, but so. 40k ninth edition is here we've seen eight fall we're looking for our ninth edition and they uh have conveniently given us a video of nine things to be excited about for warhammer 40,000. i'm not so sure i'm excited about all nine of those things myself but they've given us that they've done some q a's uh and there is a lot to be excited about so i thought it'd be kind of fun if we kind of just went around and took some time talking about the things that we're excited about um and I'll, I'll jump right in. Like to me, the number one thing that that jumped out to me is this crusade system, and I'm super psyched about it. But I'm also kind of like like a survivor of abuse because like I've, I've I've been down this road before. This like new narrative way to play 40k, and it's gonna fulfill all of your hopes and dreams. And it never does. <laughs> Here I am, back again. Um, so I guess maybe it might uh, be worth spending a little bit of time to try to talk about why I think this might be different this time um, and see what you guys think about the crusade system because I saw some hands go up in the back of the classroom. I, I, so. I promise I've changed. I, I, I've changed. <laughs> this time. I want to believe. Um, I am the, – the, the thing that stuck out to me the most about the very brief descriptions that they've given of this system is uh, – they have been very um, determined to say, like, new rules for your army. And I'm, I'm excited about that because I think there's a, a really cool opportunity here to, to make the game uh, kind of like a progression system, kind of like a, a, an RPG where you can, you yes. can progress your army and progress your characters. And that makes them more valuable to you. You're more invested. And then and it creates a story and all of that stuff that you know intrinsically. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm just kind of really hopeful that it's going to be impactful things. I'm really kind of afraid that's just going to be like, oh, uh, you can pick one extra stratagem for free or like the warlord trait gets a second warlord trait, you know, and <laughs> the kind of easy way out that they usually take is kind of what I'm expecting. What, am I being unfair here? Yeah. Well, so I'll You're conditioned. This. You're conditioned. <laughs> so... Third edition is when I started, and in the back of the third edition rulebook, there yes, were roster this cards. Is what I want. This is what I want. And you could play missions, and you could build your little roster card with your units. And as you, as if your unit survived combat, they got an experience point. If they wiped out an enemy unit, they got an experience point. Service studs. You That's give right. Them, like all, they had all the like little drawings. You can give them a purity seal. That's why like purity seals were separate on the sprue and you added them to the models when they earned them and it was awesome. That's right. <laughs> oh and, and you could become veterans and so now your your um your tactical marines could get plus one 
ballistic skill or plus one weapon skill. Um, you know, like I think there were provisions for like modifying a lot of the stats. Uh, you know, some of the things are fixed, like having two wound tactical Marines at the time would have been crazy, but I guess that's okay now. Um, <laughs> well, but the idea is points too, right? Like so that you can yeah. still balance it. Right. Wanted, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's like, that's the goal. And then that's what you called out, Danny, is that it's, it's a push back towards your army, not, well, this is, here is, you know, here's, uh, chapter master Azrael and his named, you know, company commanders and guard and, you know, his honor guard and the, the named veterans and the named sergeants. It's not going to be that, or doesn't have to be that it's, it can be, well, here is the captain that I have named and here is, here are the sergeants that I have named. And you can point to specific events in the history of your army to say, oh, they survived a battle against Tyranid, so I gave them, you know, plus one leadership because they didn't fold in the face of adversity or whatever. And that's that's what excites me, that I get to tell the story of my army, not only in a purely narrative sense, but in a way that changes the way that my army plays in the game as well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm Dog's so torn. Sorry, <laughs> you couldn't hear it on the mic, so you're fine. No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I remember that Soviet, like I can close my eyes and see the page with that old, like third edition grid pattern kind of thing going behind it and everything like, and I think like, to me, what I'm concerned about is that I think a lot of what we will talk about this in greater detail, but Games Workshop has tried to kind of homogenize diversity like they're like oh you have three ways to play the game but it's still the same game it's just three ways to measure the size of your army is really the only thing they're talking about um and so but in an effort to create flavor they've done these things where it's like all right well you're you they want you to stack like your warlord trait or chapter six and your stratagems to to then customize your army because like if you pick the right three things they'll be really good at close combat. If you pick the right three things, they'll be really good at leadership. And, but that's just, it's boring and it, it doesn't feel personal. Like I want it to be definitely more granular and something that feels like a story rather than just like a selection on a character select screen. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, they have, I believe in the Q and a, they did say that when you get these upgrades or, veterancy type things that like the points will scale to keep the game balanced which i think is is really good like because this can go sideways and make it not fun for your opponent or and stuff like that but i mean i'm i'm excited to see what they've done but a lot of that like the the other concern is it's really easy to have a character progression for a space marine it's really easy to have a character progression for a human type character how do you do that for a Tyranid? I think that's not that difficult. Like, I can think, think, think some cool creative ways to do that. What yeah. about a Necron? Necron may be a little tougher. Well, so I think that there is progression within the Necron, though. Like, I think that you can, like, transfer the soul from, like, a Necron warrior body into a Necron immortal body. Like... 
And yeah, I could be wrong. They're not, they're not, they're not, uh, the level with which they were in society allows that their cognitive self is more in the transference. So I don't think you can take a warrior and turn them into a cryptic. Like, well, right. that might like not they're, be what their army does. Like, wouldn't that be more exciting if instead of Necrons being like, oh, a sergeant becomes a captain, you would have like your unit becomes more efficient or. Right. Yeah. But tie it in. How does that tie into the flow? Like, like, you know, is it kind of a, oh, the Borg and. Star Trek, where once they're shot with one weapon, they realize how to not be shot by that weapon again. That uh, could be. That'd be cool. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> GW pay this man. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm very, very excited, like all of you guys, to get back to this this narrative style of play. Um, you know, I think that that's what kind of hooked, at least, you know, Danny and I, when we were playing the GW store, was that, that style. Um, you know, interested to see what they add for the progression of characters. Uh, Danny talked about how you know the the Marines becoming more characterful in their models, like bringing that life back to them. Uh, and it would be very very cool to see to have some customization on a model that I can paint up that reflects what happened in whatever campaign it was. Uh, you know, are we going to see the Book of Grudges come back, Jared? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Take it out of its chain from the library. Yeah. And and Trace, how are you feeling? I mean, like the announced factions for 40k are not chaos. Like, how does this transfer for you? It's fine. <laughs> um, I know that they will. I know that the dark gods will get their way eventually. Um, no, like I, um, I'm honestly just excited to see. A little bit, a little bit more of that character being brought back into the game. Um, don't worry, Danny. There will be extra skeletons for the shields on your power sword and That's shield. So <laughs> when you when you've slain the 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 captain of your arm your enemy's army, you can strap their sh- skeleton to the front of your shield. Dude, you're um, not going to put a heretic skeleton on that shield. That's a martyr. Come on now. <laughs> you do you, and I'll do me. Okay. <laughs> I want to have the the fallen enemies on my shield, um, but yeah. So I, I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons why I got so into painting the the Admech too is because like I was talking with Jason about this when we were when I was playing the game the other night, and there's not many factions in that feel more like 40k than Admech, like. Mm. They are the grim dark of the grim dark. Like they they take people and turn them into robots. Like how <laughs> how much more grim dark do you really get? Like and most of those people can you can still see their faces. It's not like Necrons where they just became a robot. Like they've been augmented and changed and so that's what kind of sent me down this path of wanting to paint these like really, really dark, dirty gritty like my my version of admech that i that i think looks cool and still kind of fits in with the lore but so that's so i'm not really upset about like the starting factions i think i think um i think the new space marines make me want to 
paint a black Templar's army. That's what I think. Um, <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm not going to do that. But um, the the sculpts just make me. They're, they they just scream like that very baroque. Like just the fact that they brought back the the crest the shields. The, the, shi- the tilting shields. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it just. I think it's. You're getting back to what got us all into that in the first place, which is like the aesthetic of it and the rule of cool. And like when when I got into the game, like my my first army that I built was really just based off of what I thought was a cool idea, which was a bunch of like blood letters and this like rogue um, warpsmith who had had all these different demon engines that he had built and stuff and they just kind of worked together and that was like my first army and for 40k and so um i'm excited to get back into that portion of it um one of the things that to kind of touch on what danny said about how the campaign system will work i think i think we've already seen a test bed for it because we know the gw just leeches off of themselves all the time um and I think we've already kind of seen a version of this with Warcry, because Warcry, you don't have to play the same person over and over. You can just keep playing, and you just keep checking the boxes on your campaign. So, like, if you're on a crusade, you get um, you get access to different artifacts and stuff like that through through the Warcry campaign. And I think that you would do something similar. I think they've just probably refined that process some. I think that you will see like points adjustments to make sure that things are balanced because it's a different game, different style game than Warcry is. It's not quite as casual, so the balance is a lot more important. But I think that you have, we've already kind of seen the test bed for that, um, and I would not be surprised if if it came out looking very similar. Yeah, I mean, here's the open. Yeah. Uh, I think- you go ahead, Jared. I was going to say, I think one of the things that excites me, and I'm going to I'm going to kind of dip a tangent here, um, is that uh, they have named a new staff to the Warhammer community team um, who is going to be the head of global 40K events. And for anyone that didn't watch the announcement, uh, whatever the case is, Mike Brandt, who um, is uh, to blame for Nova, as he likes to say, he's. You know, he doesn't, if you want to blame somebody for Nova, blame him, but he doesn't take responsibility for it anymore. There's too many volunteers and, and, and things that actually run the event to make sure that things happen. But um, he's been named the, the head of global events. And uh, he talked a lot about how their hope is that instead of, uh, you know, European 40K players playing one set of missions and East Coast U.S. 40k players playing another set of missions and west coast 40k players playing another set of missions Uh, and then the games workshop staff having to attempt to balance the game across all of these missions uh, they're going to work with these communities to try to design missions that are uh, that are that are are fun to play and make sense um, so that they're being played across the entire spectrum of gamers and that they will then be able to balance the game against a single set of missions. And what that means is that for people who are more interested in building their army and playing something narrative, that the same missions that they play are the same missions that the competitive 40K players are playing. And so balance issues that don't make sense from a narrative perspective 
you know, things that impact the game in ways that don't make sense to people that play just based on lore are are going to kind of fall off the wayside. And so balance across the game will be around what makes sense for the game as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that that I think, that is honestly something that I haven't spent a lot of bandwidth thinking about just because like the odds, like I, I understand this is not what you're saying. I, I'm just gonna explain where I'm coming from before I get to that. It's like my kind of instinct when I heard that discussion was like the odds of me coming across somebody who plays from the West Coast is so much smaller and then like to even dream about playing against somebody from Europe, like I barely play against you guys. Right. So my initial thought on that was like, okay, cool. You know, like, and I hadn't really thought about it more of kind of like a ripple effect. And, uh, and I think you're right. I think there's definitely room for it to have a positive impact on uh, the narrative style, but I, I'm not, I didn't read that as being like one of their concerns really, you know, like I think it, it could be one of those like happy accident benefits, but it didn't strike me as like, this is why we're doing that. Um, but I think there's some signs of um, good rules, hopefully we are seeing how they pan out, having a positive impact on narrative play. Uh, when you think about another thing that I'm excited about is like the, the new terrain rules. Yes. Is because you think about it way to take mine well jason what's your what's the thing you're excited about <laughs> the new but, terrain uh, rules <laughs> but like yes. I, I was thinking, like we we've kind of talked about this and uh we've had discussions with some of our local shop owners about it and uh nothing looks better on the tabletop than warhammer 3000 like, it doesn't matter who you are, if you have any kind of nerd itch, like, the moment you see it, you're at least going to walk over. You might be like, oh, okay, nope, that's way out of my realm, I don't want to do it, but you're going to look at it. It looks cool, it's cinematic, it's got beautiful models and, uh, you know, identifiable silhouettes, and a part of that is the tables are, are always really cool. Like, even now that they've gotten these kind of cookie-cutter uh, buildings they're gorgeous and you can build them in so many different ways that everything's unique. But you think about like when you're a kid and you'd go to your local game store and they had terrain and that was the exciting part. Cause everybody bought models. Like right. everybody bought boxes, space Marines, but not everybody had it with mountains and buildings and stuff on it. Uh, but I, I feel like the last bunch of times I've played 40 K the table is a bystander in the game. Like, yeah, I, I didn't interact with it. I just, it just kind of was annoying. So it's like, oh, I can't walk there. <laughs> that was all it was, you know? Uh, and I'm really hopeful that the new terrain rules are going to uh, change that. And I think that's something that was desperately needed in the competitive world, right? Like, that's why you have at Nova big two L-shaped line of sight blocking things in the middle, because that needed to happen for competitive reasons. But I think that would have a positive impact on narrative, too, because like I'm thinking about apparently our favorite edition third edition uh back when they had i remember does anybody remember how flamers used to interact with a bunker in third edition if i don't you, remember the specifics I if mean, you hit everybody the in there right flamer. yeah if you even touched the bunker the flamer everybody in it got hit that's yeah, awesome. that's awesome that's exactly how that should work and i'm hoping yeah. for something kind of like that yeah jason how much of your idea did i steal 
I mean, not much. <laughs> yeah, not much at all. I, I, the train being part of it again, like I mean, train was still kind of there, but it was really, it was kind of streamlined, right? Like that was the goal of Eighth Edition was to streamline it. So train was part of that, like the weird interactions, like oh, can I see you? Can I not see you? So they just made it simple, um, but. GW train has wide open floor plans. Like, you know, like I have two, three tables of GW train. Like if you put it all out there, you can have line of sight from one corner to the other. And there's a hundred buildings in the middle. Um, so I'm excited to see what they're, they're going to bring. I'm really hoping for a transition back to fifth or train was more abstract. So like if you had a, a group of trees, even if it was one tree, like you say, this is a forest and you cannot see through the forest. And like, you know, you, in that addition, if you were three inches from the edge, like you couldn't see the unit, but if you're at the edge, you could see out of it and still gain some sort of cover. And yeah, it's going to slow the game down, but it makes the, like you said, makes the train more interactive. You know, like I know that movement was still a really big part of 40 K, but the last few times that we played, it was pretty much you shoot me. How many dice do I roll? Right. I shoot you. How many dice do I roll? For me, like having this train be more interactive, you get that movement shenanigans back into it. Like, you know, the flanks and loading up a side and coming around and like, oh, like there's a blind spot and you need to position to make sure that you can take shots at these units as they come across. Like, that's what I'm like, what I'm excited about. Or if you are in a bunker, does it matter now? Like, like there should be some sort of benefit to being in the bunker and in your point. Like, if there's a flamer, there should be a negative. So, And two words. Two words that I want to see back. Dangerous terrain. Mm. <laughs> like, do you remember? Like, it was annoying, but think about how many interesting decisions that made you make in a game. Like, if you had a tank and you were like, oh, I need to just get around this corner, and if I can pull it off, I will, I'll be able to blast the hell out of that unit and we'll be good to go. And you're like, but if I roll that one, I'm screwed. Like, like the, the unit's done, basically, for the rest of the game, right? Or, like, I'm going to have these jump pack guys come in, and if they fall off this thing and they move an inch to the left and they hit this crater, they're going to land and twist their ankle, and that guy's in the game, you know, right? Yeah. And it was annoying, but it was an interesting choice because you had to you had agency there, too. Like, you chose, like, do I take this risk and go for glory? No or choice, just go. Safe? Just yeah. go. <laughs> But like Fortune I, I think that's the something ball. the game misses misses terribly right now. I think is some of those kinds of decisions. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. That was one of my things in in my notes that I have down here. What I'm hopeful for terrain that immerses you into the game. Mm. Yeah, that was that's my hope. One of my hopes. So well, yeah. What are your other hopes? That's the big one. Like I think <laughs> yeah. that that's the big thing that I felt was lacking from from this previous edition. Yeah, like Danny talked about, like the homogenization of it and stuff like that. But and it did feel kind of bubble hammery. But like I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that whole like, if I go too far, I'm gonna be out of my bubble. I can't. So just like knowing that and trying to play that game of knowing where you're at at all times, and that was a tactical element that I enjoyed kind of. But um, but the interactive terrain, I think that having terrain so let me go back a little bit i think the one thing that a lot of players got annoyed with in previous versions when we had interactive terrain or like terrain rules that 
could potentially impact the game is that um, it, the, a lot of the rules kind of were off. So, like, environmental rules are a good example where, like, you roll a dice, and on this on a one, this shitty thing happens to you in the environment, and then, like, but that may not happen to this other unit that's on your opponent's board because they're in this particular quadrant, and, like, there's no way for you to tell when that quadrant's going to move. Like, I think that there's some of that stuff that um, I hope that they've learned from because a lot of those things kind of created kind of feel-bad moments in the game a little bit. Um if you're telling a story, it's 100% different. But like when you were just playing and those things happened, um, it kind of felt like you had you weren't in control of what you were doing. It felt less like you were relying on your tactics and the decisions you made, and just random yeah. shit happened to you. Um, but I think that having some of the rules that we've seen, right, where they've talked about like obscuring terrain and stuff like that, so. I think being able to attach a keyword to a terrain piece and know what that rule means, I think is going to be very, very important. And it's going to bring back some of those rules that we've talked about previously, where we talked about having, you know, you knew what this thing did, like dangerous terrain is a perfect example. Like you knew what during dangerous terrain did, and it was your choice to go through it. If you wanted to, um, difficult terrain, like stuff like that. I mean, things like that, I think, will will bring back what the environment felt interactive like we talked about so yeah does anybody have uh something else that they're really excited about because that is a crazy segue into like one of my concerns about the edition but i don't want to run over top of anybody who's got an excitement because i got one more but it's easy to skip carry on danny That's i like it one go for it we got a quorum. Screw you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that what Trace was saying kind of leads me into one of my really big concerns about uh, Ninth Edition. It has less to do with the edition itself and more to do with what I kind of see as a, 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 a potential trend starting, and that's the creation of reactionary editions. Like, I think it's very important that additions learn from what came before, right? And if there's something that is glaringly wrong, then that needs to be fixed and massaged. And I would, my, my kind of fly, I would, I would like to see that done over a series of, of years with a thought to where the entire edition would go with the armies that will be in it by the end of it and all of that sort of stuff. But by releasing these, like, every two, every three-year editions, I think we're starting to see kind of like more of a pendulum version of editions where it's like whatever the big flavor of the month annoyance is, this new edition just swings the hammer at it and overcorrects. Because mm. that was, we talked about like the streamlining of it. Like we were all so excited because we were like, yes, yes, streamline this game. There's a lot of bloat. But now here we are three years later and we're like, this game desperately needs flavor. <laughs> right. Uh, and something that made me think of that was in that, launch announcement there are like nine new things to love about you know to get excited about and one of them was tanks can fire in combat no longer will hordes bog down your thing and then like a minute later it's like explosive weapons do more damage against hordes and it's like okay well clearly one of the things that they're really focused on this edition was limiting the power of hordes and i don't think that that in and of itself is a bad thing 
But if that's what the focus of this edition is, how long is it going to be until we're like, man, I just would love to see Tyranids back on the table. You know, <laughs> like how I'd be great to see Gretchen and Guardsmen again. And that, that's just something I kind of think is more of like a meta concern about it. Yeah. yeah. I think, but I... What's really funny is tanks are a real threat again. Question mark. Things I'm excited about in my notes. Right now. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I, like, I think that there's a flip side. I think that there's, right now, I think you have, and it's, I get what you're saying, Danny. Um, if we can find that balance in between, where, like, hordes are still powerful, but tanks also are not powerless against being tied down. Oh, um, yeah. I think, because I think that that was the big thing. You had, if you could fly, you were fine. But if you were not a flying tanker, you didn't have, like, power of the machine spirit or something like that, if you got touched, you were done. And I think that thematically didn't make a lot of sense. Like if you get rushed by horde, and I'm not arguing with you. I'm no, just saying, yeah. like, I'm just uh, we're counterpointing, right? So I, kind I, I of. do. <laughs> I just think that I think that I see what you're saying. Like if in the, in the next edition, like hordes are back. Like I just you know I think that I think. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, like, I, I'm not trying to make any judgment on what those rules look like because I don't yeah. know. That. And I think, of course, like tanks should always be a big threat. And I think it makes sense they should be able to shoot. But it's kind of like, did they need that and make explosive weapons really extra good against hordes? Like, in my experience with GW, probably not. <laughs> yeah. They probably only needed one of those rules. I think that that was more of like a flavor thing that they yeah. added in. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily reactionary. I think, well, not not that may not be 100 percent true because like there's a lot of orc armies that have like 200 models on the board so yeah. i think being able to chew through that amount of models i think is where they're going with that um if that no, makes that's a thing. good like i think all these things like in and of itself in a vacuum are good i'm yeah. just kind of like i kind of think as a design philosophy and i don't know like i know they have play testers around the world that know this game a million times better than i do but it just feels like when it took, you know, five, six years between editions, the editions had more baked in solutions, right? Like it took longer for the problems of the edition to emerge. And that might be the climate in which it's played. It might have less to do with the writing of the edition, more that more people are playing it, more people are sharing information on how to, to maximize an army. But it just feels like we're kind of swinging hammers at small problems and then creating new small problems. And I just kind of wonder what would the world look like if we just spent a little longer with an addition when writing it, rather than just trying to get out there and be like, oh, well, this is the problem right now. We need to solve it. Yeah, but you're talking about a societal problem now. So anyway, <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, hopefully that they're, um, the, the bespoke rules of individual units will still allow for the counter if they get a like a vehicle into close combat like you know the base rule that it can shoot out it can shoot directly at or you know whatever run over in previous editions like right you could just like move over stuff um you know i'm sure those rules will be there but hopefully some units will be able to actually tie that tank up because i to your point i think it was a good balance of this this previous edition where you know there was some counter to vehicle play um, and I, I trust in the design process that they won't swing all the way to the left or the right of, you know, making them, they're great again. But for a few editions now, 
like even back in sevens, vehicles were there were very few vehicles that saw the board. Yeah. Like the Razorbacks and and uh, you know, like when was the last time anyone besides me took a Land Raider, right? I mean, no, there and let me refrain that rephrase that there have been people that have taken land raiders but they're not it's not very often right like in this past edition to trace's point if it didn't have fly you probably weren't taking it right so i mean yep no it's a i think it's a i think it's a valid concern danny yeah i totally agree keep an eye out for yeah because like i'm all for like i i think Maybe I came out of the gate sounding like I was against those rules, but I'm not against those rules. I'm not against anything, right? I haven't even seen it. I'm just yeah. kind of concerned that when that word pops up a couple times in one trailer, that's you know, <laughs> a minute and a half long, it's kind of, oh, <laughs> how much do they hate these suckers right now? Right. Uh, the other one, you guys will all know about this because it's one of my little pet peeves about the game. And when they said this in the trailer, my eyes rolled out of my head when it was like, Everyone loves command points, so now everyone gets more. And I was like, no, I don't want more command points. Not everyone loves command points. Please don't make me have command points. Uh, I knew it was never going to happen, but I'm still going to be old man yelling at the clouds about it. Because I think when I was at the designer um, uh, conference thing at Nova seminar, one of the things that they said that Cruda said that was like a defining feature of eighth edition that he thinks will be in 40 K, you know, in perpetuity is command points. Like he, they, in the design studio, they love them. They think they've done it. Like, cause they, like a lot of people will ask for things like alternating activations. And he basically said like, that's never going to happen. Like obviously never say never. That's what they always say. But odds are because while they do leech off of other games, like they want their games to all have a distinct flavor. And right. he feels like if he, they feel like if they give alternating activations to 40 K that changes the flavor of 40 K. And I think that's one of the things they love about command points is that is something that is distinctly 40 K. And so I never thought they'd get rid of it. Like my dream world would have been like gut, gut the CP thing completely, get rid of it. Sure. But I knew that was never coming. Uh, because like in my perfect world, like I would have loved them to baked the buffs just into the units. If this unit is supposed to hit hard, just make them hit hard. If this unit's supposed to survive, just make them survive. And I would love that just baked into the rules and then make command points a, a like shallow learning curve kind of thing where it's simple to learn, but difficult to master. Make it things like at the beginning of the battle round, before any dice are rolled, like you choose to play this command or this stratagem and your army gets a plus one involm for the turn. And so now you have like, yeah, all right, easy. I understand what that does. Boom, got it. But using it at times and reacting to other people using it becomes something that you have to master. And that's where I think CP could have a great life. Sounds like they're going the other direction right. from Danny, Danny City. Well, maybe you'll have so many command points that all of your units that are that you want to be strong can just buy the stratagems to be strong, and all the units that you want to be defensive can just buy the stratagems to be defensive. Ultramarines make all my greater demons exalted greater demons. (laughs) That's right. 
like, yeah, like, oh, like, I, that was just kind of like when I saw that, I was like, no, <laughs> why you do me like this? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, to that point, like, so the CP, they've been pretty open about it. Like the building of a battalion to take it to battalion to get the CP was a negative thing in the game. I mean, poor Jared's over there playing Grey Knights, and he's like, I, I got three. I got three command points. That's yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so what, like, I mean, to, to Jared, to that point, like, I mean, the Green Ants, I know, bounced back here at the end of the edition, but right. that has to be exciting for you, right? No, yeah, no, I mean, like, the idea that I'll be able to play, you know, with the models that I want, and it not impact the CPs that I gain, is going to be nice. But on the flip side, what that also means is that all of my opponents are going to be able to play with the models that they want, and it not impact the cps that they get so it you know like okay great so now my super elite force is going to get i don't know whatever eight command points for a 1500 point army well so is my opponent who's playing horde like and or is not playing horde and which is why blast weapons are important that's (laughs) right (laughs) could be though that could be like this weird yeah. multi-cycle balance that that I'm not seeing because I don't have my hands on the edition, you know? Yeah, yeah. I really and I think, think that that's it... probably a portion of it is so that, like, the people who want to play that hyper-elite army yeah. um, that have a lot of heavy weapons, that they can still kind of chew through something yeah. big. Yeah. I think so that the, they called out on the... They did a studio Q&A on Twitch, yeah. and one of the things that they called out was the Custodes army specifically. That, you know, you're not you're not going to feel like you can only like attach a custodes force to an existing army and still be effective to still have the command points to make your units do the things that you want to do. You'll be able to take a pure custodes army and, and have enough command points to play the game in a way that makes sense. I guess I just don't see why that is more appealing than just making a custodes army better. It's You're not like, to me. I would rather just have the rules in my units. <laughs> like that's what I don't like. What's I don't. That's what I. I'm struggling to see where like command points do interesting things, but I don't understand where that is better than just making things do interesting things. I think that you open up design space for those units to do more interesting things. Like if you lock them into one thing. Like, if they can do this one thing really good, if you take that one thing and you put it into a force, well, if that opponent doesn't do anything that that one thing is really good at, then I think that you've, it's like lost points, essentially. So the way that I look at it is more of like the unit is a shell, and then the command points, when you have the stratagems, yeah, you can use that. So like if you're playing against somebody, like if I'm playing against Jared, right, I have a, I have a, uh, stratagem in my demons book that only works against Jared. Like, if a unit gets wiped out by a unit of Grey Knights, I can go two CP and I bring the unit back because there's a stronger warp presence there because of the Grey Knights. So I think that that I get I think, it, Danny, but I I just think that the by locking something in and making something really good at one thing, or making something do something one time or whatever you have. I think having the command points is just a way for you to have those different ways to play the same models. I think that that's kind of where they're coming at from the design space. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think I also think too that 
you're missing when eighth was developed and the command points were introduced. Like everything was kind of like a bolt on feature, right? Like Trey mm-hmm. said, it's a shell. And then the CP uh, rules, right? Cause that's all they are. Like you and you and Jared want those rules just baked right into my unit. Right. So like, here they are, like, you know, iron hands have a six up feel no pain, right? Like to go back to, to way back in the day but they couldn't balance it. And then more importantly, like if it, if it became broken, there was no way to like balance the unit with points because some of those units were themed through the entire army, but having those, those command point um, rules allows them to one raise or lower command points or just delete them out without affecting the core unit itself. So it is, it's definitely like a design balance type of thing. But I, I mean, for us, the way we play the game, it would be a hell of a lot easier if I just had my ten command sheets and all my rules were on these command sheets, yeah. and I, and I knew that intercessors did X, Y, Z, no matter what, right? And then you only had the the chapter tactics to kind of to worry about for us. But it allows a larger balance, you know. I think a lot allows better design space. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is definitely a just, whole. We could have a whole episode. Yeah, we, we could. Because you're wrong. Oh damn! Damn! Ah, oh, Jason. Oh, and I even I even wrote down the S words from Trace. Now I got to write one down for myself. Oh. Everybody get away with a couple S words. You can get away with a couple S words on iTunes. F bomb though. Yeah, and I have to edit that out. <laughs> all right well so that's what we're excited about that's what the challenges we have well what about- so the the thing that i do like about the command points though and being um tied to the points level now is that you can bring like what jared said you can bring what you like yeah. rather than feeling like you have to bring these things so you're not strapped into those things like you don't want to build like i'm not taking 10 unit three units of 10 cultists and two cheap dudes to get some extra battery for my right. CP, whatever I want to do. I'm uh, not hosed if I want to play a 500-point game with my Grey Knights because I'm not going right. to have any command points. Right. Well, like, also, like, I think it's so good because, like, what I think you saw a lot of people doing, too, is something, like, instead of doing the battalion detachment, it's like, well, why don't I just do one of the fast attack, one of the heavy, and one of the whatever, the, like, the vanguard, the this and the that. Yep. And then I get three times as many command points. And it's like, well, then why do we even have the time? They did that thing where they beefed the command points, but it still wasn't. Like, I, I, I'm really glad that it's away from detachment and formation because it, it just it, it perverted the system. It wasn't what it wanted to be. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the Wait, gamers did what they do. They game the system. Yeah. yeah. It makes me wonder if they're going to change the force org chart, though. Like, are we going to go back to like a traditional force org chart with one HQ and two troops, and then it's possible. I wouldn't be shocked if we end up. In a in addition, maybe not this edition, but you know, a few editions down the road, there's no force orb charts. It's just, just bring whatever you want. Bring whatever you want. It's fine. We don't Until need points. That's yeah. just bring it. Yeah, right? that's where we've gone. That's, that totally worked in Age of Sigmar. It did. It did. <laughs> Coming of this the Star Child. Just bring what you want. That's right. Uh, does anybody else got anything that they're concerned about? Got got their ears perked up. <laughs> all right well jason's got his 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 
game face on. He's ready to go. Because now it's time to talk about what we're hopeful about. Because in the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, there's hope in a sister's hand healing. And so I kind of think it'd be a good time to take a, take a few minutes and talk about what we want to see from this. There's a little bit of wish listing, a little bit of like, ooh, I'm hoping we'll get to see behind Oz's curtain on this kind of thing. And just kind of spitball some of the stuff that we're, we're psyched about. Um, for me... I'll start off with a really goofy one, but it has been bugging me for like a year, especially. It's like, I hope we get a proper description of how these new Space Marine chapters are organized. <laughs> because when I build my army, like my old school before Primaris, you know, three years ago, BP, I had my Space Marines, I had my like four uh, or six. 10-man tactical squads numbered like 1 through 10. And then I had my two assault squads, my two devastator squads, and and I had drop pods that matched with them, and I had my my veterans. And now it's like, all right, well, some of these units have three people, but you know, in the fluff it says, well, they're seconded to these units. So it could be, you know, three guys from the 10th division and it's like but where are the other seven guys and then where do reavers fit? I, I have no idea where anything goes and it it hurts my little little like this is how you know i'm an ultramarine at heart i want my army organized by a book and i can't do it from a literal book am i even going to comment on this come on Gerald awesome. Brogner. Hey, hey. In, in 1944, the German army wore gray with a little tint of tan. That's what you sound like right now. I, I'm. This is not a joke. This is honesty. <laughs> that is fascinating to me. I would love to know that. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Well, Danny, I've got a solution for you. You just play an Imperial army that doesn't have any Primaris Marines in it. Because <laughs> I can tell you exactly how each Great Ides chapter is is laid out. All these flavors, Jared. This world of flavors, and you choose salty. <laughs> so speaking of things I'm hopeful for, I would I would love to see Primaris Grey Knights. Primaris Grey Knights. <laughs> so then I too could be confused about how my army is supposed to be built. I'd love to be confused. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it's a it's a, it's a good point, Danny. I I can I can commiserate with that. Yeah, I just want to know where it's it like goes. That was, yeah, I mean, like I I remember. I think it was uh was it the sixth edition or the seventh edition Space Marine Codex where I had the two page. It was the yes. sixth edition, and it had like the drawing of all of the the companies, and and I was like, and then the, like back in, here we go again, third edition. It had that picture remember the back of that guy that had collected an entire space marines chapter of ultramarines all a thousand models yes. and i remember looking at that all organized and being like my man that's what they're gets. waiting yes. for that's what they're <laughs> waiting for they're waiting for an ultramarines player to collect an entire company like entire <laughs> chapter of new primaris and lay it out they want you to make the decision danny You're so collect man. all of those models put them in order how you want and send it in you son of a come in <laughs> you get to write the rules danny <laughs> jason what are you hopeful about oh i want to pass it to jared jared what are you most hopeful about other than gray knight primaris I told you 
Um, what else? There's got to be more. So, I, I mean, to be honest, one of the things that I am tentatively hopeful about, and I will, I will quote Warhammer right now and say that hope is the first step on the road to disappointment. Um, but I am, I am tentatively hopeful about this Dawn of Fire series. So they have have appointed a lead writer for a new 40k book series, and it is supposed to be on the same kind of scale and scope as the Horse Heresy series. So it's going to be one series with like a continuous vision, um, but set in 40K as opposed to set in 30K. Um, And the thing I think that that gives me hope for is I think it gives uh, space for impactful fluff to be written. So where we don't run into the issue where nothing changes um yeah so i'll pick i'll pick up the books i'll start the series preach we'll on see. preach on yep. hit the nail on the head put it to bed you <laughs> nailed it like that the announcement of the series i think is like such a minute like kind of lost in the wash when you're talking about a miniatures game but to have a, a set plan and where can we go? And like for the last year we've been on this podcast complaining about, Oh, you know, like I punched him in the face and he ran away. Oh, it's the same thing that happened. Like this is, you can make meaningful stories. And I'm telling you like the emperor spear was such an impactful book in set in this current setting that I am super excited for the dawn of fire. And more importantly, like, we can tie it in like this. Like it gets me jazzed. I got goosebumps right now. Woo. Let's do it. Let's do it. Don't fire. I'm, I'm going to hide behind the emperor's litany on that one too. Hope and disappointment. Like I am, I have, I've not put any emotional investment into the Dawn of fire because I am so ready to be disappointed by it. Nice. Like I'm so ready to be disappointed by it. That it's like, you're... well, this is how good it's going to be. So I want you to take, the last three Star Wars, like movie trailer, theatrical posters, mm-hmm. and put the book next to it. They're perfect. Like they're it's like, true, it's, like, yeah. it's like the same thing. Yeah, you're right. So it's true. So it will not disappoint because those movies were awesome. So the book's gonna be awesome. <laughs> That's right. it, lawyer. Lawyer. <laughs> uh. Well, in a weird twist of fate, like I think all of my hopes were all based around the game. Like no fluff hopes. Who, who am I? Who is this guy? Wow. One of the biggest hopes of the game, and th- this will be quick, so then we can pass it to Trace, is just the scaling, the point scaling. They've missed that so many times, and I really want a meaningful game at 500 points. Yeah. Well, I hope I I, I agree with you, and I was thinking about that. I hope they do it. I think it needs to be done creatively. Like it can't just be point scaling. It's got to be the type of game in and of itself, right? Like if you're going to play a 400 point game, like it should be a, a completely different type of mission and everything. Yeah. Like it should be like, um, what was, there was that old version of the game where you had like a camp in the middle and then you put um, like sentries around the camp. And if you went within a couple inches, they woke up. Right. And, and it started to kind of all go downhill from there. Like that was fun and engaging and balanced because you had to make decisions, right? 
Like, I would love to see... I don't think that would work in this modern version of the game, but I would love to see some kind of yeah. tilt in that direction. Well, and so they said that there were going to be different missions for different levels of the game. So Combat Patrol is, like, the lowest level, and there are going to be specific missions that are written specifically for Combat Patrol. And it's going to be, like, a, supposed... Like, they'll tell you what board size you're supposed to play on. So Combat Patrol is going to be, like, coffee table size game. So think, like, Kill Team or... So, like, a three-foot circle... Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I think that sounds awesome. Yeah. So, Trace, what are you hopeful for, buddy? I'm hopeful that blast weapons do what they're supposed to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and that tanks can shoot in combat? Yes. Uh, oh, wait, we already <laughs> know that that's going to be the case. Um, honestly, security. honestly, some of the things that I'm really hopeful for one of them just has to do with the fact that like i just want to play games with you guys so i hope that this like lights a fire does this stop um i just hope that this like reignites this game for us so that we're not just playing the same thing over and over and over again um just having a a, just different flavors to play so i'm excited about that um i'm excited about what i'm hopeful for is that the like we talked about before the train actually immerses you in the game a little bit more and um you feel like you're playing where you are where you're at or at least that you have some kind of way to control the environment a little bit to kind of ground you um so i'm hoping i'm hoping that those those rules are as good as they say that they are. Um, and then just having some cool new stuff. Like I want to, I want to have cool new things that for everybody, not just for space Marines and the crowns, but I'm sure that we will like Admech just got a ton of cool new things. Um, they get their birth, they get their Christmas present a little early, but, um, yeah, that's that's really bad. I mean, you guys touched on a lot of it, the lore, um, but really just being excited about the game again. That's that's what I'm really hoping that this does for me. Yeah, I wrote down a couple of things. Do you guys want, want me to spit them out there, and you guys can kind of react and see? Sure. Yeah. And Jason says no. Don't Sorry, spit them again. You, you can you can say them. Don't spit them. <laughs> You've been around me long enough. You know I pop my peas. <laughs> um, I am really hopeful that this kind of focus on like chain swords are back, baby, and close combat marines are back uh, means that close combat will be interesting again. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. think, uh, like for me, I can only really speak as a space marine player on this front. Like close combat feels so boring. It feels so so boring, especially in a Primaris group it's like oh, i've got my combat blades so they get an extra attack and that's it like i was thinking about how much fun it was like every space marine player from you know fifth sixth edition seventh edition had at some point sat down and like all right which is better for this situation a unit of five terminators with twin lightning claws or five terminators with storm shields and thunder hammers yeah and that was interesting and fun because you had to make that choice of like a high volume of attacks 
with low strength and decent AP versus a low volume attacks with super high strength and super high AP. And like that was, I would love to have those decisions kind of come back into close combat. Yeah. Danny, I have not one, not two, but three bloodthirsters that agree with you. <laughs> yeah. that is that a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> it's a good thing for me you guys can kind of determine whether that's a good thing for you or not but i think that uh i've i've always loved close combat and that comes from me playing fantasy like getting in and getting dirty up close and personal yeah it's kind of like my favorite thing which is why it's really weird for me to want to build and paint my admec army right now because they're like about as shooty as you come but um, I mean, they've got some they've got some close combat punch, especially now. But um, th- it's fun. Like you feel like like that's where when you watch the videos, when you've played the video games, like yeah, the shooting is cool. But but it, when you really feel engaged is when you see those Space Marines or when you see that other group of Xenos or whatever get in and they start doing their thing. That's when you're really like, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remember, like, um, what was the rule called when uh, in close combat? If you're uh, if you won the close combat and your opponent retreated, and then sweeping you advanced, but you pursued farther and you just wiped them out. Yeah, yeah sweeping advance. Yeah, sweeping, that was awesome. Yeah, like if you were faster than your opponent, they couldn't get away from you, which yeah. is really neat. Like you just my, load them down from behind. Like, yeah, perfect example of what I'm talking about with like the trailers or whatever is when the Dawn of War 3 trailer came out, when you have, like, the Howling Banshee or whatever, and, like, the dialogue over top, the part that got me the most jazzed was seeing that Imperial Knight stab his sword through... stab his chainsword through the Wraith Knight. Like, running at him, dodging the bullets, and then just, like, leaping and sticking his chainsword through him. I was just like, that that's what 40K is about. Like... Yeah. And so just hopefully being able to kind of represent that a little bit better would be awesome. I completely agree. All right, Jason, what, do you agree or disagree? Um, I mean, I agree. Like, I do think that you have to have a, a good close combat game for it to feel like 40K. I, I think you're right. Like, making those decisions on the equipment of of the Marine or whatever unit it is, is, is a, is a vital point of the role playing and army construction, um, element. So yeah, I guess I agree with you. You're not right. (laughs) That's fine. I'll take it. I just want you to be proud of me, dad. I, I do think that they think they need to change kind of the way that some of the attacks work in 40 K to where they're more like age of Sigmar, like spilling damage over, in in Age of Sigmar is one of the most like rewarding and visceral things that you can do. So like if you have a big monster that comes in and swings this giant sword, you shouldn't just be able to kill three models because he has three attacks. Like the damage yeah. spills over to the next person. So like when he mm-hmm. sweeps that sword and cuts through the unit, yeah. it should kill a bunch of people. Well blast um, weapons yeah. kill that's a right. bunch of <laughs> blast <laughs> weapons. It's true, but that's that's on the hits. That's not the damage part. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I've got handfuls of tuned monsters with monster siding talons and 
sometimes they only get four attacks. So despite the fact that my monstrous Scything Talons will do D6 damage to a tank, I'm going to kill at most four Imperial Guardsmen. Yeah, well, they did say carnif- Carnifexes are back, right? Like, the big monsters are back. Yeah, the monsters are going to get to shoot in combat. Something else that came up was um, there's going to be better interaction between, like, models of significant height and models that are on different levels of terrain. So, like, you yeah. can't hide your Intercessor squad on the second level of terrain from a monster that suddenly forgets how to stand upright and attack things that are eight feet off the ground when it's yeah, so a 12-foot-tall Im- monster. That Imperial Knight should be able to hit that squad of scouts on the top floor. Like, right. Yeah. That's something that always bugged me. So hopeful for, for more interactive, uh, like, more better interaction with terrain. Down. Mm. <laughs> Back um, full cir- circle. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing that I am... This is a, a fool's hope, as Gandalf would say. Um, but I am definitely hopeful that ninth edition will slow down but i don't think it will what wait wait, wait. you want it to be a longer game i'm what, what? no no uh i mean the releases it's not gonna because no, uh just get out of here just stop just stop <laughs> and I get something it. something something road something disappointment something Shit. something <laughs> i guess like i mean I, I get it and and this is why i don't think it'll go away because it's obviously proven to be a good business practice because i don't like it and i've fallen into it and i do it Right. And so if I am a resistant customer, but a, still a customer, then it's absolutely working for captive and willing customers. Um, but so I, I, I've been involved in this game since third edition. Took We've established off. that like about fewer. <laughs> like, yeah. Third edition. We got it. Wait, let me write the let me write the memo. GW, please go back to all things third edition. That is what I was gonna say, but thank you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, What I was about to say is like, but I didn't really play, and I didn't really play until sixth edition started. That was when I really started actually playing uh, the game, and uh, it feels like forever ago, but it also feels really recently. Sixth edition came out in twenty twelve, so we're talking about eight years. And uh, on that hand, right, it feels like forever ago, right? Like eight years is a long time. But when you start thinking about the game, sixth edition doesn't feel like it was that long ago in the sense of the game. It's a world different than where we are now. But the kind of like constant drip of product, I never feel like I've settled in an edition. It's like I'm just constantly getting new stuff. And uh, so I stopped and I, I wrote down every book that I have bought since 6th edition that had rules for my army. Why? That, like, why would you Why would you hurt yourself? I had to know. So June 2012, I bought the 6th edition rule book. February 2013, Death from the Skies, so that I could use my flyers. September 2013, Space Marines Codex came out. May 2014, Seventh edition came out. June 2015, Space Marine Codex came out. June 2016, Angels of Death came out. That had army lists, formations, warlord traits, relics, objectives, psychic disciplines, unit rules for the Horus Heresy era units. May 2016, Death from the Skies again because they released a new flyer. March 2017, Gathering Storm 3 because I needed my Primarch. June 2017, 8th edition. Now we're really hitting the gas because June 2017, Index Imperium number one needed that to play the new edition. July 2017, two months later, 
Codex Space Marines. December 2018, Imperium Nihilus, Vigilist Defiant. Needed Marnie's Cal Calgar, Veterans. August 2019, Codex. August 2019, Codex Supplement Ultramarines. November 2019, three months later, Psychic Awakening, Faith and Fury, Litanies of Battle, Chaplains, Terminator, or Tech Marines, Librarians, Apothecaries, Ancients, Champions, all get updated in chapter-specific rules, and now July 2020, 9th edition. In three years, I bought eight books. Wait, you know it's coming point. out in July? July, August. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like in in the course of three years, to play one army, I know that I don't need every one of these books, right? Like technically, I could just own Index Imperium One, and I could play my army. But if you wanted to stay current and play anything that was available to you, I was eight books in three years. I would love for that to slow down. But I know it ain't gonna happen because yeah. I paid my thirty-five dollars for every single one of those books. So At least you do won't you, have indexes again. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? I mean, do you think that that's where the app comes in? Yep. Ooh. I was gonna talk about the app, but go ahead. Maybe. I mean, I I, I kind of forgot about the app, so I could see where that would have happened, but I don't see it happening without paying for it. So Trace, what are your thoughts on the app? Like, because that's a good segue to it, right? Like. I think that it's one, it's been needed for a long time. Um, I like being able, to, so just from experience with the Age of Sigmar app, like being able to go in and look at any unit's stats, I think is a really, really cool and welcome thing. I don't know that that's going to be, I think you'll get to see kind of stat lines for, for like most of the units without having like the paywall. But from what they've told us, when you purchase the book, what I would love for them to do is if you're not going to get a book for a long time, if you could like scan your code for your old book, it would, I know, I know it's not going to happen. That's a, we're talking about things we're hoping yeah. for Danny. Okay. I didn't say anything. I just was, I was shaking my head. Um, that's the benefit of being able to see you. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, I wish that that were the case. I know that that's not going to be, but being able to scan, I, the thing that, what has always troubled me with this game in particular is the amount of stuff you have to take to game night, right? Yeah. So having the app available and knowing, like, I love having that paper copy in front of me when I'm, like, sitting at the house reading and just, like, trying to digest the material. But when I'm going to play, like, having that app is really, really cool. I think that if they're smart, they will give you the option... Like, you're not going to have all of your rules necessarily in the app unless you have, like, unless you've paid for something. So, like, if you purchase the codex, you get the app rules for free, right? But if if you want to, like, kind of mitigate some of that cost, I think that you'd have to, like, have a paywall where you download the content. So, like, if it's, it's like $5 independently for the app information, not the codex. Like, if you buy the digital codex, you get the app for free. But like, if you just want the rules, I think being able to that may mitigate some of that, right? So like, if you're playing, if you've bought Space Marines, but you don't want to buy Faith and Fury, right? You could buy the the app add-on for Faith and Fury for five bucks. That's what I'm hoping that they kind of come to. Um, I don't think they will, but that's kind of the hope, right? We'll go to like I think I don't think you're far off. I don't think it'll happen this edition, but I think what you could see is something similar to like 
a season pass yep. where what they can do is get you to sign up for like a subscription, subscription. Yep. and then you'll get everything or you yep. can buy it a la carte. Yeah, I, th- I think that they are pushing more towards a subscription-based model, which makes sense because, like, even the like Battlescribe even has a subscription, like where you can do cool stuff with it if you subscribe for a dollar, you know, yeah, however much a year, right? Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think Jason, what were your thoughts on the app? Uh, I think I'll buy it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it. I think you've nailed it. I think that that to Danny's solution of the problem. I think that that is out there. Uh, it has been out there for a few editions now, where you have twenty books. I'm exaggerating that you have to take uh, with you. Um, not that you have to. That we all choose to because we like to own everything, right? Like I want access to that special chaplain, even though I will never field the special chaplain. <laughs> um, you won't know until you buy the book. That's right. <laughs> um, but I do think that the app allows them s- some sort of subscription base and some sort of bolt-on, like easy, uh, digestible type of of Invest revenue stream. Down. Yeah, re- like yeah. revenue stream. I don't think that you'll have access to everything unless it's like like that subscription is probably going to be like you know twenty nine ninety nine, like nineteen ninety nine, something like the hardcore hobbyists are going to subscribe to. But I think it would be really cool if there was like I'm going to subscribe to everything Space Marines and it's nine ninety nine a month, yeah. right? Um, so I mean, Jared, you're our app guy. You can you know tech guy app. I would say it's, it's going to be a subscription model. Like I can tell you that right now. Like they're not. I would be surprised um, if the if the offerings available via a la carte were as good as a subscription model just purely from a selling software standpoint. Um, but um, no, like I, the one thing that it's going to make me do is probably buy a freaking iPad though. Dang it. <laughs> um, Loving it. Yeah. Why don't you get an Android tablet? I don't understand. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could, but <laughs> it's trying to be it's, stupid. The, the, the app's probably not even going to be in the Android like the Google Play Store when it first comes out. <laughs> no Games Workshop for whatever reason. But no, I mean, I, I like the idea of the app. I know that, um, but if if it does become like the way to build army lists, see army lists, read rules, I think it's going to mean buying supplemental devices for a lot of people. Like, and I will be one of those. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. Well, I had two other hopes. One's pretty quick because it's never going to happen because I have no idea how it's going to happen in this game. But I hope that Warhammer 40K could come up with some kind of catch-up mechanic within the game. And what made mm. me think about this was like when you play Crisis Protocol, like when you take damage, you gain power. So like the more you get punched in the face, the harder you're going to punch back. And so even when you take a pretty gnarly turn you got something out of it. And I, I think that is, that's the problem with the alpha strike, right? It's not so much alpha striking. It's that once you take that hit, you're just crippled for the rest of the game. They found right. a way to make it so that you could take that hit and still be hurt, but also have gained a little something in return would be kind of cool. Have you heard of Apocalypse? You get a free stratagem. 
<laughs> free command points. <laughs> oh, no, Jared, Jared, expand on that. So like you've so if you right? so anybody that's not familiar in apocalypse, you don't remove casualties until the end of the battle round. So until the end of both players' game turns. Um, and so that what what that means is that the casualties are still casualties, but you still get to act with those units until the end of the battle round. Um, and so I think that that would go a long way towards mitigating kind of that alpha strike because like, okay, great, you came down, you deep struck, you wiped out, you know, 28 of my 30 gene stealers, but like I'm still going to get to use them this turn. So they're still going to come in and chew your face off. And then all of our stuff goes away. And now we have half of our armies left at the beginning of turn two. Good um, game. People yeah. want faster 40k. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but that would be one way to do it. Is yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, they so, have tested that, so who knows? It may be in the game now. Yeah. It, it means cool. more bookkeeping, but... Yeah, meh. tokens. Now you can sell tokens, and you're good Great. to go. Love it. <laughs> Uh, and then the last thing that it's more of an emotional thing because the more I was like the the more the immediate excitement of ninth edition started to kind of wear off, the more I started to think about, well, why am I excited? Like, what exactly is causing me to feel this way? And it's because I do really love this game. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I've been involved with it since like third edition, and it's really third edition. <laughs> and. Uh, but it, that's since I was in grade school. Like, I think I was in sixth grade the first time I picked up a, a Games Workshop miniature. And uh, so I have an emotional attachment to it. And uh, But I think ninth edition, it's I want to fall in love with it. Like, I want to fall in love with 40K again. And I hope that this is it because I kind of feel like this might be the last chance saloon for me. Like, if this edition falls on its face, like, I... I don't think I can put myself through another two, three year run of buying eight books and buying new miniatures and investing my time and my money and emotion into building an army. And I was trying to think, well, what, what would it feel like? What would it have to feel like to make me fall in love with 40 K again? And it would have to feel like third edition. Yes, that's essentially what we're getting at. No, no, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be real here for a minute because I think in all honesty, like I want the game to feel rewarding and satisfying to play. Mm. I think a lot of times, and I think about like Jason and I's Nova experience, it feels like this game is played 95% of the time when you're like 95% of the actual game. When you sit down to play the game, 95% of it was already decided when you sat by yourself with a codex. And you sat down and you maximized all of your synergies and all of your your bubbles and you created your your beat stick or your rule genie. That's what decided that game. Like no like that game that Jason and I played, there was no thing that we did on the tabletop that could have ever mitigated what we came up against. There was no way to play that game in a meaningful and satisfying and rewarding way because of what was decided as one dude sat by himself in his at his coffee table. And I think yeah. that part of the game, sitting down with your book and digesting it and finding your your little niche is super important. Like I don't ever want to see that go away, but I think like I just need the game to 
be fun to play. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily have to be because blast weapons are better, <laughs> but it, it just has to be the whole, whole feel of the game. Yeah. Like Jason, I don't know if you felt that same way, but that, that was something that has really stuck with me since last fall. I, I mean, I think, I think to go back to the narrative thing that we talked about earlier is I hope they've nailed it out of the park where you can bring what you want and be viable on the table. Because I think what you're going through, Danny, is we don't have a lot of time to spend on, you know, theory crafting lists and, and knowing all the rules. Um, so you want the game to be like easier and the d- decisions you're making at the table have the weight, right? Like you don't lose it pregame. So, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like there have been many times where we've played pickup games, not between the four of us, but just in general where I've already lost the game because I'm not as invested. Yeah. There was this one time that Danny was supposed to play with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then he left his models at home. I thought I was doing a good thing that day too. <laughs> that was funny. But like, I, I, I think about like uh, when we were trying to get the 40k thing going at um, Game Theory, and we did that first like big pickup night. And I play. It was like the cat. We like stamped casual across that thing in every language and every size stamp. And like, I just brought like like what came in the promoter box thing. And I got railroaded by Necrons in like two and a half turns. And it's like, there was nothing I could have done. There's yeah. nothing. And it didn't feel like whatever stratagem I pulled out of my butt, whatever warlord trait I chose, like it didn't matter because unless I picked a direct connection of like three or four of those, I was never going to be as optimized. Like there's so many layers of optimization that like it's hard to catch up if you if you're not on it. Yeah. And so sure. I really like I want I want the, I, like I want to believe I do, and I want and I'm gonna go into this full full tilt, full faith, and I'm 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 gonna give it the real go. But I think if this doesn't work like there's other things i can play there's other things i can do with my time and i honestly never thought i would feel that if you talk to me four years ago about this three years ago yeah jason i've had this conversation i was like i don't want to own anything but gw stuff yep yep. that's all i wanted like even the board games like if i'm gonna buy one of these like standalone officio assassinorum like that's that's what i'm buying that's what i want i want it all in that world and now, like, I go to the game store and, like, I look and it's like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to, to kind of take a stab at making a, a little Delgar, Dark Eldar thing. But it's like, but if I don't build it the specific way, it's not yeah. going to play. And then if they change the, the rules every two years, then what I built and played for isn't going to necessarily be the same thing in two years. So you have to own everything. Yeah, exactly. Just but then, even then, like, they got you so, like, the way that it's built, right? Like, you can't have, like, three units of this. It's like, well, to make it run properly, you have to have five units of it, you know? Like, you're, sort of, you're, always, you're always chasing something. And uh, and that's that's kind of another discussion. But, like, I just – I want to feel like when I'm playing the game, like, when they say making pew-pew noises is encouraged, like, that's all fine and dandy. But, like, show me that in the game. Yeah. 
Like, don't tell me it's okay to make noises. Make a game that makes me want to make noises. Ooh. I mean, what, I like Jared, you, you started a new army in eighth. Like, what are, I, do you feel the same way? Like, is there anything you'd add to that? Or are you concerned about taking the Tyranids into to ninth now? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, I wasn't really concerned about taking the Tyranids into eighth because I had just come to the point where I was really only ever playing against you guys. And, you know, we had the don't be a dick list building rule. Like, failed. I failed every time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, now that tanks can shoot in close combat and blast weapons are even more effective against hordes, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It calls everything I believe into question. Um, no, but I think I can echo what you're saying, Danny. Like, I feel like my free time is more and more sparse. And, like, kudos to people to to to, to pull a Danny. Like, I want people to spend their time how they want to spend their time. And I'm not going to, like, belittle anyone for wanting to play ninth. I'm not going to, like... Like, that's not what we're here for. But... Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you, Danny. Like, I think this is the make or break edition. I'm looking, you know, like over my shoulder at models in boxes that I haven't touched in. Oh my gosh, it's June 1st now. Uh, over, year. yeah. Well, you know, I think I picked up the Tyranid once since Nova. Well, you and I, we played those couple narrative games. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nine but, months. I mean, it's, it's, Your yeah. models had a baby. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think, I think I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it makes me enjoy playing the game. Um, but it might be the make or break for me, too. You all come back eventually. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Trace? Um... I definitely understand where Danny's coming from. I think my struggle with that is just that, like, I enjoy that list building part a lot. <laughs> um, like, I can't tell you how many lists I made. Like, before we got into other games and stuff, like, just list building, list building, list building, just for fun and, and trying to find those synergies and stuff. Um because we've all established that I just like to do a thing. Like, that's just kind of how I'm wired. Um, so, like, I, I get it. I get I get that. And I agree with that. Like, there should not be a distinct power advantage for somebody who sits there and list builds, list builds, list builds. And then they get to the table and then they just, like, it's not fun for the opponent. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Um I don't know that I'm necessarily on in the same boat as far as like this is a make or break season for me. Um, mainly just because I don't know. I think that having the the building and the modeling and all that other stuff is just a good outlet for me. So even if I don't play all that much, like I would probably my purchasing would probably slow down. But just to have like the project aspect, I think would still be something that I would keep doing, and then like I would just play every now and then, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, our investment level has definitely gone down just from the beginning of eighth. Um, 
like because the, the time is at a premium. Other games have kind of taken over for us that we enjoy more. You know, three of us have the have children, and I'm sure that there's plans for the fourth person on this podcast to have children at some point. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so that those are things I, I, I get all those points. But it, it comes down to at the end of four hours because let, let's fit like we're not we're not playing a game in two and a half hours like people that play you know multiple times a week. At the end of that four hours, like it it, it has to be satisfying. Like mm-hmm. we can't have this. Oh yeah, we did a game. We did a thing. Right. Four hours. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. yeah, I want I want us to have that mo- those moments where we're just like that was awesome. Like and just things we talk about yeah after the fact um yeah so no great great point danny i mean definitely i think that that is if we're wish wish listing that would be the number one on all of our wish lists um but you know we've we've basically reviewed the entire edition and all the information that we have um there are some cool things out there to though too uh as in models right so a ton of the models and we touched on a lot of the space marines uh you know one thing that we haven't really talked about from a space marine standpoint we talked about the the large guy with the shield right but that that armor looks a little beefier like does that you guys think that that's the replacement for um oh goodness gracious and you know now you forget things Uh, the, the terminator is that the replacement for the terminator in the Primaris line? I don't think so. No? What I just is, think it's fancy. It's just, it's just a veteran or something? Because remember, like, the the design choice, right, behind the Primaris was this idea of it was, like, bolt-on armor, right? Like, that you would yeah. have, like, this central plate, and then you could take pieces off to make it Phobos, and you could add pieces to make it whatever the other one is, the, the, the chunky one. Gravis. Uh, what was that? Gravis. Gravis, yes. And so, like, this just looks like fancy Primaris Mark Ten armor to me. Like, but I could be very wrong. But that's just—I I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't catch that it was that much bigger. They went to Claire's. They just bedazzled their armor. <laughs> Two for one, fine stones. Let's go. Nice. You know, and, the, and then the big, uh, the big model that was in, in the Primaris line is the Assault and Intercessor, right? Uh, so, jump, jump packs coming. The B. I would love it. Give me it. I mean, the bikes are cool too. The bikes yeah. are super cool. We're yeah. not talking. We're not talking about the bikes. They look like the bike from Aliens. It's what? Awesome. They announce bikes. I don't. <laughs> Do you know, you know, I mean, you know how many Ravenwing bikes I have. <laughs> well, you're about to have like good, nine more. <laughs> True statement. No, and you know, and then we have the the Necron line. Um, you know, reinventing what the warrior looks like as far as we don't have the green plastic rods, and you know, being the Necron. Player. I'm using air quotes right now. Um, the person that owns a Necron army. There we go. Uh, it was kind of 
I was kind of shocked. I mean, the green rod is, I think, very unique to that line um, and kind of invalidates all the warriors that I have. But the warrior becoming beefier and kind of having that more hunched look and more uh, horror effect yeah. um, was definitely, definitely cool. Like the undead aspect of them in general is really cool and really subtle. And it, I think the... Um, the special character that's coming out for the Psychic Awakening uh, book, like oh, where he's yeah. like pulling the soul yeah. out of the body, like that's awesome. And when I first saw that, I thought, man, that's so cool and so so dark for Necrons. And then you see where they're taking, they're redesigning like the whole range basically to fit yeah. that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that model is definitely like when I saw that model, I was like that would make me want to start a Necron army, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not, but that's... Just like he's not starting a Black Templar I'm not. Yeah. He's going to buy the box set, and he's going to have one of each. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I've, I think I'm... It's kind of like that New Year New Army. This is a new edition New Army kind of situation. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint up these Admech and give them a good old college try and see how they do. So now that we've established that none of you but myself maybe keeping or going forward with the Necron army, uh, there's that picture that has it basically came out like a potato, right? So mm-hmm. we had the we had the spider that was a potato. There's a lot of new models yes. in the Necron line. So I just like to get what what are you guys most excited to see on the table out of that that wonderful picture? Jared, what out of all those models, what what do you what are you intrigued to learn about, or what do you want to see across the table? Um, so there, it looked like there was like a new Satan. God, dang. <laughs> um, and that like the um, just kind of that uh, oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? The juxtaposition of the Necron and the Satan, like that. These are they like basically like captured pieces of gods that the Necron are, are using to power their devices or that have like been bent to their will or whatever the case is like just like I like I'd like to see that fleshed out no offense Necrons <laughs> so you're talking more. about this the Satan that has the wings behind it yes yes okay. yeah yeah it's yeah I'm just like curious about Long and spiny, maybe bionic tail type things. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool. Any? I uh, am really... I was instantly drawn to the, like, War of the World-looking walker spindly leg thing. Because, A, it's cool. Then, B, I realized the other one is smaller. So there's some kind of, like, hierarchy, which is intriguing. And, C... Uh, it reminds me of the little critters from Blackstone Fortress, which were wrapped in mystery they came from. And I'm kind of maybe putting the horse before the cart here a bit, or the cart before the horse a bit. But like, if there's a lore connection there, that's very exciting because that's a seed that they planted a long time ago in something completely unrelated. That the Necrons made the Blackstone Fortresses? Yeah, or some kind of relate, or the the satan did or something you know mm, that. that's a good 
good thing. And yeah, those, they almost have like a destroyer back body. And like you said, there's different weapons mounted on each one. Um, yeah, we'll see what, what rules are, what cool shenanigans the world worlds have brought to 40 K <laughs> trace. I'm really terrified to say this one because I'm pretty sure this is the one that Jason wants to talk about. I think that those are new monoliths. Yeah, and I pictures. agree. I think that those are your new monolith and that that old kit that's been out for forever is going to go bye-bye. Which is funny because this will be the third edition or third you know, model of a monolith. So what do you, what grabs it to you? It just, it just looks more intricate and like it's, you know, the monolith has that big green gem in it that since that's going away for the other models that it just makes sense for that to be like modeled into the energy ball. Now it just looks more dynamic. Like it just looks, it looks more like a big scientific piece of hardware rather than just a thing with a jewel in it. You know, it looks like, like a ball of energy there. It's the the portal too, right? Like the old mm-hmm. monolith had the same plastic for the portal, and now yep. you look at it, it's like this mottled like lightning mm-hmm. guys coming out of it. That's so badass. Yeah, that yep. the portal piece is the coolest thing. And and as you look at that picture, that whatever lightning, we'll call it Necron Green Lightning, is flowing through the entire range now. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I like the way that the portal looks on the monolith. I would agree. <laughs> um, but you didn't take mine. Like, I'm excited to see the new monolith, but that monolith was kind of like the make or break to sell the old army. Like, if it wasn't a monolith, I may have kept the old army and lived with the warriors. But I do think you're right. I think it's a new monolith. The model that I'm most intrigued by and want to collect is the Silent King. And, yeah. Oh, uh, that's cool. The reason for that is I don't have a big baddie, like, or big goodie, whatever you want to talk about. Like, I mean, in when I played Dark Angels, like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have the lion. And then I didn't get my Primarch to come back. You know, I, in every game I have, I don't have that centerpiece model. Right. So, (laughs) um, having the Silent King there, although I'm sure he's going to be like 800 points and, and very uh, rarely seen. On the tabletop, I, I just I want it, and the model looks really cool, like with three kind of like three different models and a vehicle all built in one. Yeah. Um, very very intrigued uh, to see that. Um, a lot of models in that picture that we did not not go over here, uh, but you know maybe a new destroyer, um, and then of course the the wonderful uh, Lord. I don't even know how to say that, but. You know, my word. The Scorpec Lord? Yeah, there you go. Trace got it. Um, And then the the often forgotten two two models in the foreground, uh, which Danny thinks is the replacement for the flayed ones, and then some sort of new leader. Um, So I want to caveat that. I don't think the replacement for the flayed ones in the sense these are new flayed ones models. I think these are... A totally new unit that are just going to do what Flayed Ones do better so that you have to buy them. Until they're phased out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, was that a Necron Ew. joke? Was that a third edition Necron joke? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I'm really intrigued why this line isn't 
Jared isn't picking up this line though, because like we haven't really talked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jared, this army now looks like something you already collect. Maybe you were wearing it on your head in the pregame, but like this looks like Osiric Bone Reapers. That new HQ is I I think they stole your model and painted it yeah. and put it in there. That's fine. That can happen. Doesn't hurt my feelings at all. This doesn't. I'm not hurting a feeling, but it doesn't intrigue you in the 40k realm. 40k realm. It doesn't. No. No. Why? I, too, many, I, I, too many glowy bits. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about Necrons, but they've never really like spoken to me. I think yeah. they're actually one of the few. He's the silent king. He doesn't talk. Oh, God! Explains so much. <laughs> Man. No, I think I think Necrons are like one of the only armies. That I haven't been at least a little intrigued by. And I'm not sure why that is, but it is. But you're right. I mean, the aesthetics, the like the war machines plus, you know, durable line of infantry plus powerful characters is very much a OCR Bone Reaper thing. But it just doesn't, I don't know, just doesn't shout out to me. Yeah. And then. To leave the the range or that picture behind us, uh, for any of our viewers that haven't looked at it in depth, look behind the monolith. There is definitely some sort of model behind the monolith underneath the um, the flyer that they have not announced yet, and I can't place it. And it looks very scary in close combat. So can't wait to see that one. Enhance. 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 (laughs) Anything else about uh, the models? There was one that I left out there that I thought everyone was real excited about from the Space Marine line, but I'll leave it up to you guys to discuss. The cat? No, he's got a big sword. Yeah, how did I forget about that? The (laughs) Judicar? The Judicar. Executioner. (laughs) That's so cool. It is like Urukai blade, give me it. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> that flat. Like that's all I have to say. Just give me like, like it's just cool, right? Like it's a chap that looks really evil. It does raise some cool lore questions, right? Because we know that the Primaris Marines have the gene seed of all actors, and it's like, well, how dark are we getting here? And like, I, it's cool. It's cool. I like it. The feels very mod- like. That's the model that made me want to maybe start a Black Templar army, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, you, it wouldn't take much for you to just turn that into a Chaos Lord. No. And who says I won't? <laughs> yeah. Just add some spikes. Add like, some chains. It's good. To me for some reason. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think you. we lost Danny, so... Uh-oh. I mean, with that, uh, I think we've pretty much discussed new 40K, 9th edition, to its entirety here um, tonight. So thanks for sticking with us, uh, and we'll be back for the closeout. And we're back, and that'll wrap up our show. Um, this has been episode 25, hashtag... Hashtag new 40K. We got video now, so there's random periodic pauses on my part. 
because I forget that there's video and I do things that people that are listening can't see. It's amazing radio. Um, <laughs> as always, we do want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. Um, you can find more media from us on Twitter, from Battle Mallet One. We're on Instagram, Battle Mallet PCAST. Um, if you stumbled upon us randomly, you can find us on Facebook at Battle Mallet Podcast. Um, and we have a Discord server, uh, and the link to that is unintelligible, so I will not try to say it. Um, but you can find links to it in the show notes or on Facebook. Um, yeah, so if you have enjoyed what you hear and you want other people to be able to find us via the algorithms, uh, you know, give us reviews, give us likes, um, subscribe from your podcast listener. But uh, yeah, so I, I think that's it. That'll round us out. We're all excited. Um, we hope you're excited about 40K, new 40K as well. Um, and uh, hopefully in the near future you'll see some content from us around that whether that's newly painted models or uh, plans for things events um, as things begin to open up but uh, we'll wrap up here so for the Battle Mallet podcast we are three dads and a guy that's been playing 40k for how long? since 3rd edition 6th edition 6th <laughs> edition uh, this is Jared signing out. This is Trey signing out. This is Danny. Be safe out there. Black Lives Matter. And I'm Jason Tableau Murray. Get the hell out of here. Peace. podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. I knew what he was doing, and I fell for it anyway. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) What a clean start. (laughs) Good good thing you can edit in post, but the video will last forever.